Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. Last week we watched Akada vs Shibata from Sakura Genesis 2016. This week we watched Keith Lee vs Donovan Dijak from Battle of Los Angeles 2017 from Pro Wrestling Gorilla. So, first thing first, I have a slight sniffle, so if I sniffle all, please just bear with me. I can't help it. Um, but let's just jump straight into things. Um, Laura, what were your overall thoughts on the match? I I never thought I would say it, but like, I feel like this style of wrestling, or not even so much the style, because it's similar wwe but this environment of wrestling is even more over the top and i was even more just like laughing at it and thought it was the dumbest thing ever than wwe the the whole time i was just like can this be over already like what are you two doing and just so many questions so many questions okay so we've established you didn't enjoy it so what rating would you give the match one out of five. Easy. Uh, what was that? Sorry, you cut off a bit. Oh, sorry. I said one out of five. Easy. One out of five. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, let's start going through your notes then to establish just what it was you disliked so much yeah. about the match. Well, like I said, p- for starters, just the, the pared down environment of course it's not wwe there's no giant production budget there isn't a massive stadium there's not crazy lighting like their costumes are a lot more even like homemade and stuff obviously and i feel like with the toned down atmosphere there the wrestling almost should have been or just some of their behavior not the wrestling but some of their behavior and the level of uh like silly showboating should also have turned down but it didn't, and it just made it feel even more out of place. And it just, all the things I normally find somewhat silly in wrestling, but at least they kind of belong in that atmosphere. This one just felt like they didn't at all. Um, and, and the crowd, but the crowd was just as into it. And at first, I was like, that was a, a pro, I would say, watching the match. By the end, the crowd started to piss me off, too. I was like, why are y'all close enough to the arena that they're, like, slamming the ground? I'm like, you're going to get crushed. They're going to throw a giant dude out of here, and he's going to land on your face. What if you're interfering with their wrestling? And the things they're cheering, they're just cheering, like, holy shit, and please don't die. And I'm like, this is, what, this, this adds nothing to the match. It is so stupid. And, like, what sort of support, show, show of support is that? Chanting, please don't die. Like, which one? Who are you talking to? And it's so obviously fake and scripted. It's like, we all know no one's going to die. Come on. Like, I don't, the whole thing just so seemed nobody. insane. Insanely over the top. so nobody can hear it at the moment. But I am laughing so much. And I will explain why after you've been through most of notes. Okay. Uh, I also wrote Lee needs a better stylist. Just his his outfit at the beginning. Just, just so bad. But that's a minor thing. That's just a minor thing. Um, 
And also, to me, this seemed like half the time it seemed like wrestling. Half the time, I felt like they're doing an interpretive dance that we just don't get. Because there was, like, cartwheels all the time. Like, the running around and bouncing off the ropes. Like, kind of like the Irish whip stuff you mentioned. But it was so slow and clunky. And, like, their moves were so telegraphed. Like, how the other person was going to react and how they were going to either evade it or, like, turn it around or just be hit by it. It might be just because they were really big dudes. So they don't move as like they're gonna be a little bit clunkier but like literally at one point one of them literally did like a really bad ballerina spin into a punch i'm like are y'all wrestling or are y'all dancing make up your mind because you're doing both terribly and it was just the it, it was just weird the whole time i was just so not invested compared to especially compared to like last week where that's they were getting like so realistic like blood wish and they were very much really into it and it was such high stakes i don't know this was just just so much and even the, their trash talking too also got me first i d- also i did immediately notice the sheer amount of profanity in this match and threw into sharp relief again how the lack thereof in like wwe and other things which you never really think about until you notice it's not there but literally like as Lee got punched, you just hear him go, holy shit, like some really terrible, like high school person being forced to do an improv class. And I was like, okay, did you really didn't think he was going to punch you when you, you're just sitting there wide open? Either don't react or become a better actor if you want to sell this to me. And like there was the occasional move that I picked, put, okay, that was cool. Like, um... There was an elbow, like, Lee did some cool elbow strikes to Dijak, which looked pretty cool. Uh, they both occasionally these really very agile, like, flips and tricks and stuff, which for men their size just made it extra impressive when they would, like, yeah. flip out of the arena or something. So, just to, like, one of the things that this match got a lot of praise for was just how ridiculously athletic and agile these two got, because... I don't know how well it comes across on camera, especially because they're facing each other, so you have no size comparison for them really compared to normal people. But like Keith Lee is like six foot two and three hundred and thirty pounds. Donovan Dijak is six foot six and like two hundred and seventy. Like these two are massive human beings. Like you know how tall I am, and Dijak is my height, and he's doing like backflips and moonsaults. Yeah, exactly. Like spinning off the top, like just springboard into the top rope, and then doing like a spinning backflip out of the ring. Like I what? remember, I wrote down that one was cool. That one was pretty cool when they said the springboard flippy twisty thing. And also at one point, like when Di- whenever Dijak occasionally would like have Lee like lifted up like on his shoulders, I'm like that is a lot of dude. That is a large man you are holding up in the air now, sir. I give you props for that. But those moments were really rare and far between for me. The rest of the time just felt really stupid, over the top, terrible acting. Everything felt very obvious. Um, I was even more annoyed than usual by the sheer amount of like the kickouts and the what feels like stalling or putting off the inevitable to build tension. Because the crowd, sure, they're getting into it. Me, as someone who is not into this, was just like, oh my god, hurry up end win i don't even care who wins i don't care just someone end this uh at least i thought that i did care a little bit at the end because there was this whole bit around the end of the match where all of a sudden dijack pulls out these monsters jerseys out of nowhere which props for the space jam reference like appreciate that 
part of my childhood. But why? Where did they come from? What are they for? Is this some weird offer of friendship? Is this some truce? You're like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. Here, have a jersey. Yes, explain. Because I, before I get into then why it made me mad who the winner was, explain why those were even there. Like, what the Uh, hell? Basically, those two formed a tag team called the Monstars. Copyright. The thought of those two gigantic fucking men on a tag team together is terrifying. I would not want to stand across the ring from those two together. Um, so basically, those two formed a tag team together, which is part of a re- like a lot of the reason why this match was so heated. It was that those two trying to show that like who's the better of the tag team. Like I'm the better one. Um, but towards the end, they brought he brought out the sweaters, and at first it was like, oh look, I'm I'm been a good sportsman. Look, before one of us wins, let's just you know. Embrace our friendship and remember that we're still a tag team. You know what I mean? We're still good friends. That makes it even more and, stupid. And then, I'm sorry. You know, and then, you know, used it to cheat. Exactly. And that's why because then I... Scumbag. Yeah, and then I got mad at the end because I was like, I don't care who wins. Screw it. Someone end it. Until then, the winner was Lee. But after Lee accepted the jersey and then had the bad, the, oh, look, I've forgotten how to put clothes on. Oh, no. And then it's like, Dijak goes for the, like, dirty like moves and like kicks and while he is putting on the shirt and therefore stuck in it like blindfolded like when you just get stuck in a sweater but i'm like it's not hard it was just so dumb like so the guy who was dumb enough to get stuck in a jersey and then get wailed on is the one that wins really you're telling me this and i was like it's a bit of a hard sell here i I don't know because they both would have go back and forth the whole match from moments of like being really athletic and doing cool things and like either looked like I guess fine fair if you win it but then also both looking like beat up exhausted tired sometimes appropriately sometimes terribly because of their terrible acting skills but it was just weird it just everything just felt stupid and over the top I in a very think bad way he was meant to like look like he was stuck getting it on I think it was more like he was putting putting on and Dijak kicked him mid putting it on. So obviously his first thought after getting kicked in the face wasn't I better put this jersey on right quick. It was, ouch, I've been kicked in the face. But even still, why would you accept it? Like, and I know again, that that moment was just the part where it became so painfully scripted. Because I'm like, that's just dumb. Even the initial gesture in the first place, like really? There's any, there's no, there's any chance in hell this was meant as a gesture of friendship. This isn't just going to be some weird, dirty use of a prop. Like, oh, just would have, if I had been invested in the match and into the storytelling and whatever narrative they wanted to sell me, because I'm not sure what it was, to be honest, that would have broken it for me. I'm like, that's too far. Like, there's only so much suspension of disbelief, even if I cared enough to try, that can't exist. And that was too far. The end for me. So to elaborate on basically the sort of story of the match, the idea is that this is part of a tournament called the Battle of Los Angeles that PWG runs every year, where, you know, a bunch of wrestlers all go in, and it goes over the course of three nights, and each night they have, like, you know, the first night they have first round matches, second night they have second round matches, the third night they have the last round of matches, and then the final at the end. So the idea behind this match is that these two are a tag team, they're good friends together, but this is the last night of the tournament and they just happen to end up facing off against each other. So they didn't want to face each other. You know, they didn't ask for this match to happen. It just ended up happening because of how tournaments work. Um, Which is why the sort of like gesture of friendship 
you know, to some extent makes sense. It's like, look, you know, we didn't want this match. We're not, we don't hate each other. We're good friends. Here, have a jersey, you know. But then it shows Dijak's desire to win in that he'll cheat against his friend and tag team partner because he wants to win so badly. But then the cheating backfired because it just angered a giant and you don't want to anger a giant. Anger in a giant is never a good idea. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He was giving me mad, like, uh, uh, like Andre the Giant vibes at times. Uh, Lee, just for his, his sheer size and the way he moved. It made me want to watch Princess Bride, which is probably not something you want to hear after watching a wrestling match. So, yeah, that's the, like, sort of story behind the match. And I think um, sort of part of the reason from your explanation why you didn't really like this match is it's just like a fundamental part of wrestling that you seem to dislike, which is um, you seem to view wrestling from a fighting standpoint almost entirely. Like you focus a lot on that it's meant to be a real fight. You're meant to want to win, you know, and stuff like that. Whereas... In wrestling, there's a lot more going on than that. It's not just about the match and who wins. You know, there's always, like, relationships and storylines outside of it. You know, like, people have friendships and people are tag team partners. You know, and stuff like that. There's always some sort of a narrative. And this came up in Okada Shibata as well, when you didn't understand why Shibata wouldn't want to pin Okada. And that was all part of, like, the storyline that he was looked down upon by the company because he once left them to go become an MMA fighter. And when he came back, they treated him like dirt for abandoning them. So it was him wanting to prove how good he is and prove that he's best than, better than even the best person they have. And stuff like that. And it's, it's all part of telling that story. And in, in the wrestling, the matches aren't so much meant to be like a sort of fight to the death. They're not meant to be a serious, full-fledged fight. They're meant to tell a story and it's the story that matters more so than the actual match itself and it's like in this match the match itself yeah fine whatever but you know it's like it showed that story it progressed the tournament while also developing these two's relationship against you know with each other like at the start they were friends you know but they they both clearly wanted to prove you know that they were better than the other you know you, you does that saying that when friends fight each other, it's always much more intense than, you know, when just two random dudes face each other. You know what I mean? And that was sort of portrayed, like, they both kicked out of stuff instantly when normally they wouldn't do. Um, they both were putting their all into it, pulling out all their biggest moves because they wanted to prove that, you know, they were better. They wanted to go all out against their friend. Um, but at the end of the match, they were still friends. Or so we thought. But then, you know, it shows a lot about Dijak's personality that he, like, threw that friendship... Like, he valued winning so much that he was willing to, like, throw a friendship away just to win. And that's what I mean. It's it's not so much about, like, winning the match. It's not meant to be a pure fight. There's always these underlying stories and they always tie into, you know, how the match goes... And they always have importance. Like, true. And I get that. I think where part of that comes from is, um, again, it's still, 
it's still it's it's a storytelling medium, but it's still such a physical one that I still feel like there should be some sort of balance between somewhat realistic combat or like principles of combat to tell your story because it just it's like I can't appreciate whatever narrative or like personal stories are going on if I think you're doing things that are just so overtly stupid and it gets a chance of winning that like I can appreciate it also because I'm a very competitive person naturally like not in a not in a good way it's not one of my better qualities so I just seeing it from my mindset of like I have to win if I was in that it's like it's about winning screw like this especially like that's your job you're you're not only a performer but you're also an athlete it is your job to win and also like generally if you're winning most likely like from the outsider's perspective I would think you'd have a more longevity in your career as a wrestler so that's part of where that comes from but also it's not like I've watched regularly enough to know the relationships so I'm going into this not knowing any of that appreciating like I never knew these guys were a tag team and have fought each other so why would I be even thinking about like that idea in my head until I was more familiar with the world of wrestling I'm not going to go into it being like oh I wonder what they're what like is going on outside of this ring and I wonder what these two think about each other and I wonder how much is riding on this match like stakes wise I'm not there yet I, I don't care enough to be there yet. <laughs> I feel like one thing though is like um a, like a few of the things you hate like for example I, I've noticed you often comment on showboating and you dislike showboating. Like I imagine you disliked every spot in this match where one of them said their catchphrase. You know, either feast your eyes or bask in my glory. Oh my god, I wrote a big note about the bask in my glory. I was like, get out. Like, no, what do you, get, oh, I was so turned off by that. I was like, excuse you? Like, Mr. Egomaniac over here? Get, no, earn my respect first. I was going to say, I imagine you hate that, uh, because I've noticed you dislike a lot of the showboating in matches, but that actually makes sense from sort of a realistic standpoint, because not like, they shouldn't necessarily do it, like, you know, mid-match and stuff like that, but, like, if you think about it from a realistic standpoint... Merch sales are very, very, very important. And if you get over your catchphrase and get yourself over as a person, you'll sell a lot of merch. It's like in MMA, for example, the people who sell the most merch and sell the most tickets to pay-per-views and stuff like that aren't always necessarily the best fighters. It's the people, you know, with a lot of characters, the people with a lot of personalities, the people that people can get behind and are interested to see whereas a lot of like some of the best fighters in the world are just really sort of bland and uninteresting people and therefore you know sell no merchandise sell no pay-per-view tickets and stuff like that so at the showboating even from like a realism standpoint doesn't necessarily bother me as much although i do agree with you that you know mid-match like tone it down a bit like yeah i'm like you have a job to do stop sitting here hyping yourself up the crowd is doing it for you the crowd is doing all the chanting you need like calm down and for me it's more now it's the time of the like showboating so to speak and the manner of it rather than the act itself as i watch my wrestling because like now i was saying part of it why it bugged me so much in this match at least in like the big like wwe Now I feel like it would bug me less after seeing this because that's the environment for it. You have the arena, you have the high production value of the lights, the pyro, like you have stuff that goes with that. It fits that environment and it fits the atmosphere 
but this one, I'm like, you look like you're in some community center, town hall, and the lighting is terrible, and it's just, it's much more pared down, much more bare bones, and almost, like, this just looks like two steps up from two guys having a street fight that drew a crowd outside, like, in terms of atmosphere, so it just seemed like they're doing WWE-level showmanship and cockiness and, like, vocalizations, but without the atmosphere to make it seem less ridiculous, if you know Um, what I mean. The main time when I don't mind showboating, and I wonder if you'll agree with me on this, is at the start of a match, like, after the bell has rung, but before they start actually wrestling each other. I would prefer it before the start meet. That's for your entrance and when they're introducing you. Like, that's the time and place. Because, like, get in the head of your opponent, get the crowd on your side. But once it's started, head in the game. Uh, I guess that that's still a bit more... That's more acceptable than this mid-match nonsense that they were doing and stuff, for sure. After the bell is rung before it really gets going. But, yeah, my preferred time for that and when I will judge the least is before the match has started. When they're still getting getting ready and, like, entering the arena and the crowd's still like, yeah. Do you have anything else on your notes to go over? I had some specific moments. Hold on, let me find... Oh, man. One of the most, like, I wrote the most OTT moment in the whole match. There were two. One, it was, like, mid-ish match where, like, I think Dijak was, like, sitting in a corner of the top ropes and Lee's, like, climbing up to get to him do a move, but it took forever I'm like, oh, we're just having a little, like, treehouse climbing party on the ropes right now. This is, like, taking forever. And then when Dijak managed to, like, turn it around on him, I was like, well, you deserve that. You took a long time to get up there. He had so much time to figure out what you were doing. And specifically, I wrote I wrote in brackets, no! Because, like, as the guy's going down, so at least spends all the time climbing up there, and he goes to, like, do something, who knows, maybe a suplex or something, some sort of dropping thing with Lee, or Dijak onto the ground, and Dijak turns it around on him, and the whole time he's falling, he literally looks like a cartoon character, straight of Looney Tunes, just going, no! As he falls, I'm like, are you Mufasa? Like, what is happening right now? That's this hilarious. is, like, actually, I was like, okay, Oh, we're going full Disney movie here. All right. I see how it is. And then the other part, uh, Lee, was it Lee or was it Dijak? No, Dijak was pinning Lee, I think. And then Lee kicked out on the two. And in theory, he kicked out so hard that Lee completely rolled all the way out of the arena, out of the ropes, onto the floor. I'm like, oh, he's I definitely, know. he's definitely had stronger kickups, like, or kickouts in this match. And it just looked so, like, you are forcing yourself so hard to pull that rollout off. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I think, was it the moment where, um, Dijak's pinning Keith Lee and Keith Lee just sort of throws him out of the ring. Just like, at the one count, just launches him out of the ring. Yeah, just like the guy went flying. I'm like, there's no way he had enough energy at this point or nor did his kick out look big enough to justify Dijak just violently rolling out of the ring. And like, it was just so, so weird. I had a very different thought on that and I wrote some notes on that sort of spot as well, which is that a, a lot of points in this match... The two of them kicked out from big moves at one. Which normally, that makes a move look weak. It makes it look terrible. Because if you kick out a one and then just like a fine, it's like, well, that move did nothing. Like, what was the point? Or, you know, like it exposes sort of how, you know, like you say, it it blurs that line between fake and real too much towards the fake side. It's like, okay, you're just uninjured by that? Like, what? 
Um, but these guys managed to do it in such a way, at least from my perspective as a wrestling fan, where they kicked out one without making the move look weak because it was all like force of will kickouts like Keith Lee, like he, he sort of just lifted his arms up and you know the guy rolled out but then he didn't have the energy to move he was just laid there motionless so it's like yeah he kicked out he had the sort of willpower to kick out but then was just laid there dead on the canvas and did nothing and it's like earlier on in the match Dijak like kicked out of um one of Keith Lee's moves that won like refused to stay down for it, it was the moonsault Keith Lee hit him with moonsault and he refused to stay down for it but he sort of got up and just sort of crawled across the ring because he didn't have the strength to do anything else and then just sort of laid in the corner motionless because he was so exhausted. So they, like, kicked out at one without, like, just no-selling the move, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I, I noticed that. I only noticed in my notes, I only one notable moment of when they kicked out on the one but clearly I either just wasn't paying attention as closely maybe it was I was writing something at the time so I wasn't looking up as much but yeah I did notice at least one of those moments you're talking about and I did think it was interesting because I'm not used to seeing it in the other matches we've watched so far and yeah I agreed though it didn't make the moves look weak to me to me it just made them look like me I found it weird though because they were then playing off they were so tired and I'm sure they were because these are large dudes they're throwing around. But then I was like, how do you go from looking dead on your feet? That might be the only time they're decent actors. Dead on their feet one moment to then flipping out at one and then doing like springboard flips and like throwing people from the ropes and stuff. It was it was like that was inconsistent to me. I was like their their energy levels or their their state. I was just very confused. It felt like they were every so often just magically being fed like uppers and all of a sudden they have energy again and then they go back to like oh i'm dead now oh god so before we move on to my notes is there anything else you want to say just the like i said the crowd in this one weirded me out as well i still think like it's almost i feel like it's irresponsible and so negligent especially as someone who like for my day job and stage managing and event managing, like I have to do risk assessments and all these things. And I'm like, someone in your crowd is gonna get injured if you're letting them close up. Like there's like dozens of people like touching the ring and like smacking down on it while they're cheering and doing stuff. And then they're also throwing people around. And I'm like, it's gonna be a miracle if none of them walks out injured. And then so- things they were chanting also were just so different from normal wrestling. Oh, the one part at the end, they're cheer- chanting fight forever. And I'm like, no. It needs to end. Shut up. We're <laughs> getting that. So PWG as a promotion. So my first two notes are about the crowd. So this, you know, works perfectly. PWG are a very popular promotion. They're very, very popular. But the venue they wrestle in is minuscule. So they actually only sell, like, I think it's about 200 or 300 tickets to the event. And then they invite special guests, which is like Meltzer gets invited um, some talent scouts from different promotions get invited, and then some wrestlers get invited to, you know, sit and watch. Like, Ronda Rousey's been there in the crowd before and stuff. So, and those tickets, the second they go on sale, they are sold out. Because it's only, like, 200 tickets for a popular promotion. It's nothing. So the people who go there are super hardcore fans. They are not casual fans at all. 
the tickets aren't on sale long enough for people who are like just in the area and like, oh, my kid likes wrestling. This looks interesting. The tickets aren't on sale long enough for those people to go. Plus, this is not a kid-friendly match. They're swearing all over the place. So the, the people who go are like the super, super hardcore fans and they know what they're getting themselves into. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah, it's dangerous. And it's they're loud and they're rowdy. But they're, like, the most hardcore of hardcore wrestling fans right there. You know what I mean? So they know exactly what they're signed up for. If you want to know about uh, that potential of them getting injured, there was a match on night one of this Battle of Los Angeles where someone in the crowd was mocking one of the wrestlers. So the wrestler picked up his opponent and threw them at the audience member. Oh my god! But again, see, like, as someone who, like, if I was a, an event manager in charge of, like, helping them organize those things, it's my literal worst nightmare. I'm like, oh, what, the, what that person could sue you out the ass. But I'm sure you can appreciate as, like, a fan that level of sort of, like, involvement and feeling that you're a part of it you know what i mean you're not sat up in the bleachers three rows back in a massive stadium you're right there if there's 300 pound dudes falling out of the ring i'd rather be that far away i don't want to be somewhere where someone literally like as like heavier than pieces of furniture in my house can fall on me i can imagine but like it's like imagine it's like the difference between like um watching like a a TV show like on TV and then like being in sort of the live audience you know like been there to be part of the laugh track for a comedy show or something you're not just experiencing it you know as a show you're actually like a part of it and it's a very different experience it's like almost like being part of the crowd in something like question time like, you're not just watching Question Time on TV and, like, hearing the audience's questions, hearing the people's reply. You are part of the audience. You can ask questions. You can contribute. And that's all what's going on here is the crowd aren't just a background. They're not just scenery. They are a part of it. They talk to the wrestlers. They interact with the wrestlers. They get the rejected by them. the wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my one of my favorite moments in this match was the one guy when Dijak was thrown out, and this one guy holding up his arm for a high five and looking so pleadingly at him, and he just walks right past him, and the guy looks so sad and shut down. And I was like, oh, feels bad. I also liked how like the fans fanning and using their fans on the wrestlers because they're wrestling in the middle of summer in California, in a gym hall sort of building. Yeah. So I like I get that. Cool. That's hilarious. Yeah, I get that, and I do agree in many ways. Especially if you're fan to it, it is very fun, very different experience. I still just feel like there should be something like maybe they can get within like five feet of the the ring. That's still plenty close. The dudes are still gonna fall out of it, and you'll be able to like touch them if you wanted. But you're not gonna be sent to the hospital. Like I don't know. It just seemed. 
I just can't get risk assessment brain off about thinking about how terrible of an idea that was. And then also I was just nine times out of 10, I just personally was opposed to whatever the crowd was chanting because I was clearly in a very different mindset than them. So. But did you, uh, regarding the crowd's volume though, like did you, although you disagreed with them because you didn't like the match. So when they were chanting like fight forever, obviously you disagreed, but did you like the like atmosphere the crowd provided? That they weren't just sat there in total silence or just cheering for the big spots. They were very loud and rowdy and energetic. Yes and no. Like, I do think the energy was great, but then they're cheering so loud for some parts that seemed so stupid and, like, fake or ridiculous to me that they're, like, I kept going back and forth on moments where I was like, okay, the crowd is maybe starting to pull, pull me over, maybe starting to hype me up, and then they're cheering for the dumb things in a way that was just like really guys like are you stupid too <laughs> and and there was something else oh what was it something specific oh and then also i think part of it is like the, the i think the catchphrases of these two wrestlers are a bit unfortunate so the crowd chanting those i was like oh this is so cringy like they're literally just chanting like holy shit at times and and that's like one guy's catchphrase i was like this is just i don't know cringe the, was the word the two, I would the two use. catchphrases were feast your eyes for donovan dijak and then um bask in my glory that one me. i could not stand and i was so glad the crowd he said that at the beginning but i don't remember the crowd ever saying it other than at the beginning when Keith yeah Lee they, said they it. chanted it at the beginning but that's about it yeah nah just nah so my next notes are just on that these two are absolute gigantic men they are enormous. They are, like, scarily big. And just how, like, one, insanely strong they both were. Like, that spot where Dijak jumped off the top rope and Keith Lee just, like, caught him by his legs. How do you catch a guy that big and who weighs that much out of the air with just yeah. his legs? I wrote a note on that what? part as well. Because I've said this is athletically impressive, but also... That moment, a few others, there were just lots of moments where I'm like, well, hope you guys are friends. You're getting up close and personal. Because from that moment where he caught him, he goes to the way he caught him. So dude's crotch in his face and then goes to pin him in a way where he's holding like his butt up in the air and his head's like resting on the guy's butt and he's using it like a pillow. And I was like, well, if you weren't friends before, you are now. (laughs) Like, It's just really weird. I thought you might appreciate the, like, sort of catching out of the air spot because, to me, that's one of the spots that seems very, like, authentic. Like, it's not just you stood there and let your opponent do his move off of the corner. It's like, no, you were stood there, totally expecting it, seeing it coming, so you caught the dude. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, no, the score I gave the match, the one out of five, the one comes from the moments of just sheer athleticism on the part of these guys. Because I do recognize they are, like, again, I can't even do a regular boring old front flip from a height, let alone if I had, like, 200 pounds of muscle on me to do it too. And to, like, pick up and lift these guys above them, to catch a, a, a 200 and whatever, 70, 30 pound, whatever you said he was, guy leaping at you out of the air. Like, those are not small things. Yeah, so props so for that. You've seen The Undertaker, right? The Undertaker's yeah. one of those wrestlers that everyone knows, whether they know about wrestling or not. Want to hear a funny story? Oh, sorry, you cut out. 
I said, want to hear a funny story? Yes. Before I knew he was a wrestler, so similar to like my John Cena moment, I totally thought The Undertaker was like a movie or a comic book character that I just didn't know who he was for the longest time. That was really popular. And then when I found he was a wrestler, I was like, oh, well, that makes so, sense. Donovan Dijak is like the same size as The Undertaker, who's considered one of the premier sort of giants of wrestling, like the premier big men of wrestling. I've never seen The Undertaker do anything close to a moonsault. Or like his springboard Cancun tornado out of the ring. That Nothing. that one I wrote down was very... The, I think the most impressive thing in the match for me was the springboard tornado moment. Big men don't move like that. It's... They're freaks. Like, I just... I cannot get my mind around these two men doing so many backflips, landing on their feet cartwheels, moonsaults, like, they yeah. just shouldn't be able to move like that. Particularly, I think Lee, it was always extra more surprising to me when he did that, because he's clearly, like, he's tall, he's very muscular, but he also just has a bit more, and like, not, I'm not saying this in a bad way, I'm not like body shaming or trying to be offensive, but he has a bit more, like, fat over his muscles than a lot of the other, like, he's wrestlers like, we've he's seen. He's built like a linebacker from the yeah. NFL. Yeah, exactly. Like, he doesn't have, you know, the hella defined, like, eight-pack or anything. Uh, so whenever he, and he clearly had more just mass on him than Dijak. Not height, but just, like, mass. So whenever he did something like that, I also was like, damn, that's, that's impressive as hell. He did a top rope moonsault. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was my next notes, was just how big and agile and strong they both are, because they are scary people, and I don't want to ever meet them in case they kill me. Um, my next note is the commentary. So PWG has a very, very unique commentary. What did you think of the commentary before I say stuff? Uh, I, I definitely remember thinking at one point that I should make like pay more attention to it, and make some more notes on it rather than just so much repetitive notes about how like this is dumb and whatever but i i didn't really notice it much to be honest it did seem a little bit more informative like i felt like if i was like visually impaired if i closed my eyes or just listening to the match it gave me a bit better of a play-by-play -play or like an idea of what was happening than commentary that is in the much bigger budget more sensationalized stuff because that's also a lot more like, the commentators are getting so much more into it, and just, they're a lot more about the vibe, the atmosphere. This one felt a bit more like, we're telling you what's happening. But that could be completely wrong, because I, I wasn't paying as much attention to it as I uh, probably should have been. So, it, it, on one hand, it makes a lot of sense that they'd be able to tell you what's going on more, because um, both of the commentators for this are wrestlers themselves. So it makes a lot of sense that they would be able to tell you better than someone who's just always been a commentator sort of what's going on in the match, because they know. They do it. Um, but what I was going to say about the commentary, my main point is that they're very almost unprofessional. Like, they laugh a lot, they joke a lot, and a lot of their, like, excitement and stuff like that at spots is just genuine excitement. Like, they just scream, like, holy shit, oh my god. God, like, they just lose their minds. And it's not because they know what was going to happen and they were told to lose their mind at that spot or say some cheesy line about it. They're just genuine wrestlers blown away by big men doing crazy stuff. 
and it seems very like sort of unprofessional at times, but at the same time that it sort of make like at least for me, that's what I love about it because when they need to be serious, they were. Like there were a lot of times at this moment when like in this match when they were commentating seriously. But then during the downtime of the match, during the slower parts, they were just laughing and joking and you know, sort of taking the piss. And I love it. Yeah, and like I also noticed they were saying like names of moves a bit or at least I noticed it more often than the other matches, which for someone like me who doesn't know what they are, found helpful. So when I could be like, Oh yeah, the springboard tornado was impressive, I rather than be like the spinny flippy thing that he did at this part, like so I appreciated that. Do you agree with um sort of what I said about I I I, I, I realize you did say you didn't really pay much attention to them so I doubt you'll have much of a comment but do you like agree with any of what I said? No, yeah, like looking back now, I agree with what you said, and because like they had a good balance of the informative, commentating da 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 to the um like you said just having fun taking the piss getting like building the match up and stuff. Um, so my next note is, did you notice the ring breaking? No! When did that happen? Where was I? Right near the start of the match, they do a move and you just hear this snap sound, like this big crack. And the commentators go, they just broke the ring. And that wasn't... Wow, I'm not paying attention. That wasn't like the commentators just selling the move or whatever. No, they legitimately broke the ring oh my god which sort of makes the rest of the match a bit more impressive that they did it all in a broken ring how was it broken though uh like the boards broke underneath part of the ring yeah so is there one part where what it would be weaker like i'm trying to think what that would mean because i feel like the the it's clearly made of very similar stuff i think to like dance floor and like springboarded like tension sprung uh, boards for dancers so that way you get extra bounce on it so that they bounce more because that's one way to protect your wrestlers when they do the drops and stuff the bouncy yet absorbent floor so does that mean there's just one part of the ring that wouldn't do that like it, it looked like it was still level or right? like there wasn't a part of the ring that was like sagging or anything was there or am i that stupid no as far as i'm aware it was just at, like one part of the ring on like the right hand side from the camera was just a bit like sort of weaker structure like some of the boards underneath had broken so it wasn't as structurally sound basically see again to me risk assessment of that manager brain feels like you should stop the match and fix it because it's a safety risk as well as just a risk to your storytelling because what if now they were supposed to pull off some elaborate move that you've planned for them there but then because they're off balance they they can't anymore or it's ruined or then they pull it off and then they break the stage even further and eventually it actually like collapses collapses and then it's like well now we really can't go on like that to me doesn't make it more impressive that makes it even but again I, i realize this is not probably the mindset of anyone who would be watching but, oh, that stresses me out and makes me mad that the match wasn't stopped for them to fix that. Uh, do you want to hear something that will probably stress you out even more? Sure. They had people underneath the ring in the middle of the match fixing, fixing it. Fixing it? Oh, no. No, wrong, bad. Wrong, bad. <laughs> Everything in my two degrees in this field is like, bad, bad. No, you're fired. Uh, you're all fired. Oh, I'm mad. 
See, that sh- would that shit happen though in like WWE or would they just have rings that are higher budget like that would probably never happen to a ring that you would wrestle in um, in that level so I don't know if it's ever happened to a ring in WWE but what they would probably do is just work around it until the end of the match and then have the ring crews come out in between matches and fix it yeah that's probably what would happen As, at the very least if you think it's a small enough fix it's not gonna ruin things too hard the very least do that fix it between matches don't put people under there during because then if it goes during not only are the wrestlers gonna hurt themselves you're being crushed by f- over 500 pounds of men if they both fall on you at that time like f- 500 pounds five over because they're like 300 and 200 something it's a lot so, I'm basically through my notes, but the last thing I really want to talk about is, I said early on, I had a feeling you weren't going to like PWG, <laughs> and I want to explain that, because basically the reason you wouldn't like PWG is the exact same reason I love PWG, and that is that it is the wrestler's wrestling show. It fully embraces the goofiness that is wrestling. It makes no effort at pretending to be real. It doesn't even try. It doesn't care about being real. (laughs) It wants to be professional wrestling. Like, that's all it wants to be. You know what I mean? And, And as a professional wrestling fan who totally, you know, like, loves it from a I know this isn't real I know they're just you know doing like storytelling and it's all fake and I just admire it from sort of like an athletic and storytelling standpoint rather than pretending it's real standpoint I love it I love that they embrace how silly wrestling can actually be at times like they've had spots in other matches that are just totally stupid like at one point there's these two guys who like always bullied the referee every match so one time they were both climbing up some ladders and the referee just pushed the ladders over and it's like that would never ever happen in a real sport but in professional wrestling that made for a great moment like that was hilarious oh you brought up a thing i remember now i want to talk about though the ref why was he there he was so pointless he didn't do anything other than counting the whole time but like the crowd was doing a good enough job of that you did not need him and i also felt like they spent a lot of time out of the ring in this match it might not have been any longer than they spent out of the ring in like wwe or in new japan it just felt like it maybe because i was more biased against this form of wrestling who knows but i felt like the, the, while they're chilling outside the ring for so long and the crowd's like fanning them and whatever and the ref's just standing there i'm like hey sir do you want to uh get involved you wanna um, you wanna I, do a I thing? I don't know if you actually <laughs> I don't know if you noticed at points, but there were moments where the ref started counting towards ten. But he only the ref only counts if both people are outside the ring. So what one of the wrestlers would do is like roll back into the ring to reset the count and then go back out. Oh, okay. I, I never even noticed them counting. But again, clearly I was just not as observant as I thought I was being. Two, like two pages <laughs> of notes, yet still not paying attention. Missed the ring breaking, missed refs counting. Like <laughs> in fairness, that, that happens when you like that happens when you're not interested though. You know what I mean? You knew sort of very early on that you weren't gonna enjoy this match and that makes it hard to pay full attention. You know, you are gonna miss things if you're not invested, you know. But 
Yeah, so PWG is the wrestler's wrestling show. It doesn't even try pretend. There is a spot in one match where someone pulls out an imaginary grenade and throws it in the middle of the ring and then everyone sells it as though a grenade has actually gone off. There is another spot where someone shoves his thumb up someone else's butt. There is another spot where someone hits a slow motion button in the middle of a match and everyone starts wrestling in slow motion. It's silly, it's ludicrous. That sounds weird, but at least that that's like, when you get to that level of ludicrous, maybe then you get behind it. Like, the slow motion one sounds funny as hell. I'd be so game to watch that. <laughs> it's like, the, thi- the thing is, it just, it, it doesn't pretend to be real at all and i sort of love that it's very like meta like there's one moment that i i don't know if i told you about where this guy you know how when they hit a move they make the sound by like slapping their thighs there's this guy who had a like his whole gimmick was that he was like a very veteran wrestler and he was very salty about like the young up-and-comers ruining wrestling right so he went up against a young wrestler and the young wrestler did a drop kick and didn't slap his thigh so it made no sound so the guy just, like, didn't sell the move at all, like, refused to sell the move. And when the guy got back up from doing the dropkick, was like, make sure to slap your thigh. You're killing the business. I, was, I think you told me about that before, because that sounds familiar. It's just that they don't pretend to be real at all. They just embrace what wrestling is. But at the same time, they have a lot of very serious matches with no silliness in. Like, this match had a bit with the, you know, jerseys at the end. But that was, like, about it. Like, that was the silliest this match got. It has gotten a lot sillier as PWG in the past. But then it also has a lot of very, very, very serious matches. And it's just, they totally blend it. Like, they don't... Like, they're not like New Japan, who sort of, like, are very real for a very large part of the show. And they're not like WWE, where it's super fake and over-the-top but pretends not to be and tries to present itself as real, even though it's blatantly not. Like, they just, you know, they don't care about pretending to be real. They they just embrace what professional wrestling is and run with it at full speed. Yeah, makes sense. And that's why, like I say, that's why I love it as a fan of professional wrestling. Yeah. But that's also why I had a feeling you wouldn't. Like <laughs> the one thing I will say is, like, watching this, I think has made me, if we went re- went back and rewatched the AJ Styles-John Cena match, I think I might enjoy that more. Because now it's like, now they're seeing what real over the top, to me at least, like the showboating and some of the sillier, like, moves and the terrible acting is theirs might not seem so bad and because it has the environment where i think it's more fitting and that much more high budget crazy high profile atmosphere it might not turn me off as much so that might be an interesting thing about watching this now (laughs) one of the things about pwg on this vibe of like them just embracing pro wrestling and not trying to be anything else is one thing is that their events are just designed to be pure sort of fun you know, they have, like say, they have these comedy spots thrown in throughout, like, you know, like say, the slow motion and stuff like that. They have the super loud, rowdy crowd who are highly involved 
they have the refs do funny things in the middle of matches. Their commentary is very, like, jokey and sort of almost, like I said, unprofessional. Like, they obviously they get serious when they're meant to, but they do joke around a lot more than any other commentary team you'll, like, come across. And, like, the whole shows are put together to just be fun. You know what I mean? Like, they just... Their whole goal right from the get-go is for you to just have fun. You know what I mean? They're not as involved in... Like, WWE is trying to be taken, like, serious and stuff like that, or New Japan is trying to look like a legitimate sport and stuff. They just... They're about fun. That is their number one thing they care about. And, like you said, if you're uh, a fan who's into that, then I'm totally makes sense. Well, this be your favorite kind of wrestling. Me, I just, I, so far, it seems like I can appreciate it the most when there is the balance of somewhat real fight tactics, combat techniques, or at least looking like there is, balanced with the entertainment and the narratives and the, the more elaborate, like, fun stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's look for you that the first feud we decided to do was a New Japan one, since New Japan was your favourite promotion so far. Yes, that's still my favourite so far, for sure. Um, So, that's about it for this match, really, isn't there? Is there anything else you want to say? Any last thoughts on the match? Um, I don't think so. Quickly skim through my, my notes again, but yeah. Nope, just think I've pretty much summed up everything other than yeah just a lot more weird funny like moments we're just noticing there's a lot of times where your faces in wrestling your face gets very close to another man's genitals or your hands are like one like a centimeter away from being a sexual harassment lawsuit instead of a a hold and i'm just in case you're (laughs) curious uh melzer who you know we stole the five star rating system from no shame um he gave this match a five stars out of five. <laughs> and his logic for doing so was almost entirely the athleticism and stuff like that. Because men that big should not be able to move like that. Yeah, like it's I just... would maybe up my rating from the beginning, learn like after talking about it a bit more, like to a two out of five. One out of five, maybe a little harsh. I've already forgotten whatever I gave. What did I give the Cena Styles one? Uh, two point five, I think. But you were okay. hesitant to give a match a high rating that early on. That was part of it, yeah. So I think I would upgrade this to a two because I do think, yeah, their athleticism is maybe worth more than a single star because that's impressive. Though, like they were doing things impressive for any individual, let alone six yeah. foot, whatever, three hundred pound guys. They did things more athletic in this match than like anything john cena did in his match with aj styles and these guys are way bigger than john cena is john cena's a big dude (laughs) yeah i do think the other thing though like i want to just bring back i mentioned before because my my overwhelming like opinions of the match i still felt like half the time they looked like they are wrestling half the time they look like they're doing some weird interpretive dance and this is some very odd theater like there was a literal ballerina (laughs) twirl into a punch and no one thought it was stupid. Like, I was like, what's that? Is that supposed to give you extra power? That wind up? That spin? Because it wasn't like a fast, it wasn't like a just twist your body to throw your uh, shoulder into the punch. It was literally like, oh, spin around. Like I'm doing a really terrible so, pirouette. 
Normally the spin before is meant to get, like the idea is that, you know, it gives them more power because you've got the momentum going into it. But I think, like, because these are just such sort of big, lumbering guys, it looks too slow to actually do that. You know what I mean? Like, it looks way too slow to actually help. Exactly. Like, it was, it looked like, oh, you're doing this because you were told to and because it's choreographed, not because it does anything for you. And, like, the cartwheel. I laughed out loud at the cartwheel. I was like, is this your, like... 10th like like 10 year old gymnastics demonstration it's the last time i did a cartwheel and it it's all oh, it just looked so out of place so i normally avoid trying to like sort of spoil future matches we'll watch but i'll tell you about one now because it's going to be a long ass time before we ever get around to watching it like a very very long time before we ever get around to it and i might as well because it'll be interesting to discuss right now there's a match that i want to show you one day way down the line uh, between Ricochet and Will Ospreay. D I know who of... Ricochet is. I know you that do. one. Yeah. So this match, uh, the reason I want to show you is I think it will be very interesting to hear your perspectives on it because a lot of professional wrestling fans despise the match for seeming too choreographed. And the thing is, those two are athletic freaks, but in a different way. These two were athletic freaks because they're big, You've seen what Ricochet is like. He does some insanely athletic stuff. And Osprey is even more athletic than Ricochet, if you can believe that. And when those two had a match against each other, they just went all out athleticism. Like, they were doing absolutely mental stuff right from the get-go. And a lot of professional wrestling fans disliked it because they felt it looked too choreographed it like you said it looked almost like a dance recital <laughs> but from a purely sort of like athletic standpoint it was one of the most insane things i've ever seen in my entire life i'd be intrigued to see that so we will get around to watching that at some point but it's not for a cool. long time because we've got like a structure we're following oh right i was, I was gonna say because you have the next at least a handful of episodes what we watch planned out i'm sure I've got a lot more than a handful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the next one, I'll give you a choice. Speaking of the next episode, let's discuss what we're going to do next episode. Because we've got a few places we can go from here. Like, the obvious two, we went for WWE first, because they're the very biggest. New Japan second, because they're the second biggest. And they're just so different to WWE, it made a good contrast. We went to PWG next, because they're my favourite. And I just wanted to oh, show you them. Before you go ahead, I did want to ask though, my question I forgot from ages ago. So where does PWG fit in kind of like I guess like the tiers of wrestling or structure? Like is this how like how many steps from he there to WWE or like going even more pro is there or is this actually still considered professional level? Like is this their career or do those guys have like day jobs? Uh those guys all do this as a career. But they don't wrestle, ex no, almost nobody wrestles exclusively for PWG. Okay. They all wrestle for other companies mainly and then do PWG on the side. Okay. Because PWG have this system where, you know, wrestling companies don't let their wrestlers wrestle for other companies because they view them as competition. Mm -hmm. PWG, because it was set up by wrestlers, right? So they know all this stuff. So they made a deal with a bunch of wrestling companies. Almost everyone but wwe 
literally any wrestling company will let PWG use their guys except WWE. And the agreement yeah. they made is that they won't stream any of their matches and they won't put them up as like videos, like VODs online afterwards. The only way you can watch PWG matches after they happen is by vi- buying a DVD and waiting for it to ship to your house. Damn. And then they do get uploaded online eventually, which is how we watched it on the High Spots Network, but not for like six months after the event happens, if not more. And uh, like as unfortunate as that is for fans, it makes it very hard to sort of watch them. It, the whole reason behind it is that so that they can use other promotions wrestlers. Which allows them to use all of the best wrestlers in the world from all sorts of different promotions without actually having to pay them like full-time contracts. Okay. Which, you know, is sort of sensible. Okay, makes sense. Um, so they're, they're a very, very small promotion, but that's a lot, a lot of that is because they don't they don't want to be a big promotion. They cater to a very sort of niche fan base of like the most hardcore wrestling fans. And they, they understand that. They know they're not a mainstream product. You know what I mean? They have a niche audience and they target that niche audience and are happy with it. They don't really try to be any bigger than they already are. But the thing about them, what makes them sort of special is uh, something I mentioned last time, is they're seen almost as like the talent scouts of the industry by a lot of promotions. Because I think you mentioned recruit... that before, because yeah, that sounds because, familiar. Because they recruit talent from like all over the place, from different countries all across the world. And it, it, like I say, it's run by wrestlers. So then they know what they're looking out for. They know who is a good wrestler because they res- they wrestle themselves. So they pick up talent from all across the world that they think is really good who hasn't really had a spotlight and use them in matches and give them like a platform to show off because the the actual quality of wrestling from like an athletic standpoint and stuff in PWG is off the charts like this match sort of demonstrated it because these guys did what stuff that big men don't do ever but if you actually watch the matches between the smaller people they're insane they do stuff you won't see like anywhere else. The matches are so fast paced and so athletic. It's like mind blowing. People really like go all out when they wrestle at PWG. And like I say, the reason for that is that these guys are viewed as talent scouts. If you put on a good performance in PWG, you're likely to get signed by a much, much bigger company. And it's happened to so many people. Zack Sabre Jr. Started wrestling for PWG. A few months later, signed a contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, Marty Skull started wrestling for PWG. A few months later, signed a contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Donovan Dijak and Keith Lee had this match. Both went to WWE. Ricochet wrestled for PWG. Went on to WWE. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are used as like a talent breeding ground by bigger promotions. So though they're not the biggest promotion in terms of like how many people watch their shows, they're a very respected promotion in the industry. They have a lot of impact. That's kind of cool. But yeah, it makes sense. Just because I'm also, aside from just 
trying to learn more about the uh, wrestling, like what goes on in the arena. I'm trying to start to slowly figure out the kind of like the structure of all like how for example like with overwatch league it's like owl is top and then like contenders would be the next tier and then like i know kind of like the the ladder yeah one would climb kind of thing so just trying to slowly figure that out as well yeah so if you were trying to like compare it to like a esports analogy is like it's really hard to do but it's, it's like um pwg would be almost like the college leagues like they're very small nobody watches them but they have great people in them and they're a great way to like find new talent. Like um for example, like you've seen some NXT, right? Yeah, like a tiny bit as in like my boyfriend watched it and I was there and I would like watch and then I'd like check my phone and then I'd watch a bit more and yeah. then I'd do something else like very casually. Did you ever see, you know how they have like the manager of it and he's like an old British dude? Ah. Oh. Does it ring a bell? I don't think so. Alright, I was gonna say, he actually very regularly attends PWG's shows on behalf of WWE looking for new wrestlers to sign. That's how much, like, influence they have. That's how much, like, they're respected even by, like, the big dogs like WWE. Cool. Well, good for them. Um, so... Next episode, we have, like, a few... We've done, like, the three sort of obvious ones in my eyes. Like, we've done the biggest, we've done the second biggest, that's a very different style, and then we've done my favourite. So, I'm going to give you... How many options? Four. So many! First, NXT, which you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's NXT... It's WWE's alternate, like... In the alternative, essentially. It's them yeah. trying to compete with the indie promotions. So it's okay. much closer to indie wrestling than WWE wrestling. Yeah. CMLL, which is like the biggest Mexican promotion. Okay. Because Mexico has their own... I'm sure you've heard of Lucha. Lucha Libre. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yep. Mexico has their own very, very unique style of wrestling. <laughs> okay. Um... Impact, I've actually updated the number to five. There's five we can... Oh my god. Um, Impact, who are... They used to be sort of the second biggest North American wrestling show, but have recently sort of fallen into a bit of a slump. Like, they had a sort of fall from grace. And they're significantly smaller than they used to be, but they're still, like, probably second or third biggest in NA. Okay. And then Ring of Honor, who are, they're the traditional indie wrestling show. They they actually have a really big TV company owns them, and they have a lot of money behind them, but they have just been like the quintessential indie promotion for forever. You know yeah. what I mean? They've been like second or third biggest promotion in NA for as long as anyone can like remember. <laughs> like, they are just, they're like, even though they're not sort of, technically indie because they have like this backing by a massive tv studio they are like the quintessential indie company basically okay and then the fifth one is lucha underground who once again lucha um but lucha underground's a really weird one okay 
because I'm gonna, this is going to be hard to explain to you. And it probably won't necessarily come across if you watch, like, just a match of theirs, but it really comes across if you watch, like, a full episode. Which is that Lucha Underground... You know how most wrestling shows are presented as sort of real? Like, um... Yeah. Like, WWE is made to look like a wrestling event. You know, the wrestlers come in from, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Lucha Underground isn't. It's done as a TV show. So it actually has, like, sections where it shows people totally outside of, like, the venue and it shows people, like, talking backstage and stuff like that and it has, like, you know, proper storylines and sort of storytelling that you'd expect to see in a TV show and it's shot in, like, a very different way to most shows and stuff like that. It is done not as a wrestling show but as just, like, a TV show about wrestling. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to describe. That is very intriguing. Oh, I, I'm kind of leaning towards that just because I'm like, I want to know how that would even work. Yeah, like I say, it might be hard to for that to come across, you know, watching just a match of it. Yeah. You can give it a try. Like, I would be down for... Yeah, I'd be down clearer. for either that or NXT. So you that choose between those two. Okay, um, shall we do Lucha, Underground, and then NXT the week after? Sure. Well, not the week after, the episode well, after. Well, the, the episode after, <laughs> yeah. yes. I always forget about the two weeks I'm recording. Every time. I've done every episode <laughs> so far. Well, right. fail. It's going to become like an ongoing joke eventually. We're doing enough. So yeah. yeah, so next week we'll watch something from Lucha Underground. I don't know what yet because I don't know their sort of top matches off by heart like I do for like PWG, WWE or <laughs> New Japan um, but I'll find something Okay. and then we'll watch um, NXT the episode after that and then Sounds we'll do good. after that we'd probably do CMLL because I need to show you Mexican wrestling is ridiculous <laughs> um, and then after that if you want to watch Impact and Ring of Honor we can do, but they're not, like, essential viewing. You'll have already got, like, a good feel of, like, the different styles mm-hmm. by that point. You know what I mean? Impact sort of almost like um, just a sort of... Its budget and production is sort of like WWE style, but its wrestling is more like NXT. So it's just a cross between those two. So you'll understand what that is without even having to watch it. Yeah. And then Ring of Honor is, like... um. Is just very similar to NXT, but, you know, produced, like, in the not by WWE. Like, there's a okay. reason that people call NXT, you know, WWE's answer to indie shows. You know what I mean? It's because it's okay. modelled after them. So, we can watch them if you want to, but by the time we get to that point, you know, like I say, it'll be your choice whether we yeah. do or not, because they're not essential viewing. You'll have already got a good feel for the different styles and the landscape of wrestling by that point without having to actually watch them. Okay. But... I do think that sort of Lucha Underground needs to be watched because it's just so different. <laughs> like, the wrestling isn't necessarily different, but just the way it's done as a show is very different and interesting. Yeah. CMLL is essential because it's, one, it's the biggest Mexican promotion, and Mexico is a big wrestling place. Everyone knows that. Um, And it's a very, very different style. You know, it's Lucha Libre. It's not 
you know, sort of North American professional wrestling, you know. Yeah. And then NXT is essential viewing because it's it's still part of WWE, so it's still the big dog. that You can't avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, next week, Lucha Underground. So, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, um, you can follow us on Twitter, M-A-M Wrestling. And you can go to our website, which is makingamark.wixsite.com. You know, check that out. Follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with all the news. You can also follow me on Twitter at Hanzo Kurosawa, or you can follow Laura on Twitter at LauraK483. Yep, yep. If you want to follow us personally or ask us any questions, feel free. If any of you guys have any feedback or any questions or any suggestions for me, feel free to get in touch. On the website, there's a contact button where you can fill it in. It's got a, the Making a Mark email address at the top, so you can send us emails, or you can just message one of us or MAM Wrestling on Twitter and we'll get it. So feel free to get in touch with any feedback, questions, or suggestions you have. And, you know, follow us, subscribe, and keep your eyes. Yeah, for thanks for episode. listening. Thank you for listening. Bye.